fake a smile. Fake a smile. Fake it. I'm so fake. You made me so fake. Wiping away my tears because no one is going to take pity on me. All the pain I felt is a pain that will last forever. Just pretend it's not there. I need a place to hide in so no one can see me cry. I just need to pretend that I'm okay. Pretend that my heart's not breaking. So just fake a smile. All the fakeness I put on just so they would accept me. All the hurtful truths that they have told me when I wanted honest lies. The names they called me. The constant teasing nearly killed me. I can't even tell my parents because I don't want them to worry. The fake life I built is crumbling, and the mask I've built up is shattering. As my mask fell to the floor, they cackled at my despair and sent a kick to my lower abdomen. This heart-wrenching experience written by a young person who evidently knows the hurtful need to pretend to be someone else for acceptance, only to be discovered and deeply wounded, reminds me that many in this life are simply pretending, putting up a facade, faking their lives either to cover up something or to create a false image or false narrative of themselves for someone else. It's so easy to fake your way through life, either as a Christian or not, because you and I cannot see into the heart of someone else. We cannot see into the heart of another person. A person may be hurting in their heart. They may be struggling with sin. They may harbor evil intent. The seed of bitterness and anger may be percolating. They may be cultivating destructive thoughts. They may be struggling with issues of insecurities or self-worth. But the world may never see this because it's all hidden behind a smile. And the words, all is well, I'm fine. And as the Lego song goes, everything is awesome. But issues of the heart, especially destructive issues, need to be identified and dealt with or else the consequences can be catastrophic as illustrated through the kingdom of Edom. And so we begin a three-part mini-series on the book of Obadiah, the shortest of all Old Testament books with only 21 verses. I realize this is one of the least read books in the Bible, yet it has such an amazing, important message for our generation today because it addresses three heart issues that are often undealt with and when allowed to fester will come out in very unhealthy and ugly ways. Of course, there are other issues of the heart, but we will only deal with the ones addressed in this book. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to the book of Obadiah, which is in the minor prophets section of your Bible, after the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. It is after the book of Amos and before the book of Jonah. We'll be looking at Obadiah, verses 1 to 9. Obadiah, verses 1 to 9. I read from verses 1 and 2. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. 
you shall be greatly despised. This short book deals specifically with God's divine judgment against the Edomites, who were the descendants of Esau. If you remember our home series preached last year, Esau is the brother of Jacob. That would mean that the Edomites were relative of the Israelites, descendants of Jacob, and naturally they should have been good neighborly friends. Yet the Edomites were gloating and cheering over a recent invasion of Jerusalem, and they were happy over Israel's troubles and problems. Now, we don't have enough historical clues to know for certain which Jerusalem invasion this was. But most likely, it was during the reign of King Jehoram of Judah, taking place around 840 B.C., when Edom rebelled, and the Philistines and the Arabians invaded Jerusalem. And you can read more about this in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 20 to 22, and 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, the Bible tells us that God was going to judge the Edomites for their godless ways. And the prophet Obadiah was called to deliver God's message of divine judgment on Edom. And in doing so, would give Israel hope that God was still in control. In the divine judgment of God upon the Edomites, three issues of the heart that pervaded the kingdom of Edom are identified. And God said He would judge them severely for these heart issues, which are the root of their godless actions. Applicationally for us as readers, these are three similar heart issues that many of us have a problem with that is the root of our own unchristlike actions and our own unchristian-like actions. And this book, Obadiah, serves as a warning to us to deal with these issues or else it would lead to catastrophic consequences. Now, the first issue of the heart addressed in this book is the issue of pride, and it is found in verses 1 to 9. Pride is not only a problem and an issue for those living in the past, but it is a problem for many of us today. Pride is one of those sins that is most difficult to deal with because it hides itself in sinister ways through the justification of its feeling or it is simply covered up by other sins. It's much easier to deal with lying, stealing, adultery, or other blatant sins because in those cases, it's so easy to define whether you are guilty of it or not. You either have stolen or have not stolen. You've either told the truth or you have lied. I hope you see my point. Pride, on the other hand, is something that we can practice and live with without too many people discovering it. Especially if we are clever enough, we can hide pride by justifying it in various ways. We can even hide pride under a veil of false humility or hide pride in spirituality hiding behind a lot of Bible verses, which then we call it spiritual pride. As students, especially if we are competitive, many of us ask our classmates, what grade did you get? What did you receive on the test or on the project? Now, are we asking because we are genuinely concerned what grade they got? If you found out that your friend's grade was lower than yours, would you then offer to tutor them or help them get a better grade than you? I know most of us are asking because we want to know our friend's grade so that if we got a better grade, the pride of our heart will swell up and we will think we are better than the other person simply based 
on that numeric score. But of course, we won't outrightly say to their face, I did better than you. I'm so much better than you. We will hide behind words like, Oh, you got a lower grade. Well, don't worry, it's okay. It was a hard test. It was a tough exam. Or we'll say, Don't worry, you'll do better next time. But you and I know inside our hearts, we're doing the happy dance. We're personally gloating because we did better. Pride is a root issue from which many more overt sins grow. Pride is an attitude that declares itself able to get along in life without God. The Edomites had their idols, but they did not bow to the one true living God, Yahweh. My friends, you and I are guilty of pride when we declare either in words or through actions that you and I can live this life without God, without the need to consult Him through His Word or in prayer. This is pride. The same pride heart issue that the Edomites were guilty of. While I want to deny that as a pastor, I sometimes have a pride issue, it is something I have to be keenly aware of because it works in my heart in such subtle ways. I remember having the honor and the privilege of being invited a few years back to speak at the ACSI National Educational Leaders Conference. I was asked to give three workshops and one keynote address. All were very well attended, except the last workshop on the last day. Perhaps because of the topic, or perhaps it was the last day, or whatever the reason, only six people showed up to listen to me give the workshop. Now, it's always been my ministry philosophy that for the Lord, I don't mind if I speak to two people or 2,000 people as long as I have the opportunity to share God's Word and to teach it. But on that day, I remember pride got the better of me. Instead of only seeing it as an opportunity to train six national leaders, my heart kept saying, only six? Only six? I even started the workshop a little bit late thinking maybe there would be more who would come. And during that time of waiting, my heart grew annoyed as I quietly thought, don't these people know who's giving the workshop? Don't these people know who's speaking? Everyone else had attended all my other talks. They loved it, but how come this one has only six people? That was my wounded pride speaking. I began, in fact, to self-doubt myself Maybe these people don't really like me. Maybe I don't have anything to offer them. Maybe I have nothing of interest to tell them. Pride does crazy things to your mind. But I remember soon after, the Lord reminded me to check my heart. I remember Him asking me the question, Stephen, what is your motivation to teach and share my word? And I realized at that moment I was wrong. Pride had crept up into my heart. I confessed my pride before the Lord and gave my talk to six people with the same energy and the passion that I would have given if I was speaking to 600 or 6,000. My friends, pride can get to any of us. Why am I hitting this so hard before we continue our study in the actual text of Obadiah? Because, my friends, unless we identify that we have a problem, 
specifically that we have a pride problem, and that pride is a problem, then we won't work to eradicate pride from our heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. So what about you? What are you prideful in? Do you acknowledge that you and I have a pride problem? What are you and I so prideful of? If you don't think that you are prideful, even spiritually prideful, let these three sources of pride identified in the book of Obadiah serve as a wake-up call for you and me. These three sources of pride cause the downfall of Edom. Look at me at verses 3 and 4. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. The Bible identifies the first source of Edom's pride, which was in the security of of their homes. They lived in the rocky, reclusive region south of the Dead Sea around a town that later became known as Petra. Petra is famous today. It's one of the ancient wonders of the world. It was built by the Nabataeans, the Arabians who later drove out the Edomites. And from solid rock, they carved out a city. But you can see from a city like Petra, the natural defenses that the Edomites would have had, the natural defenses of towering cliffs and narrow passageways that were used by the Edomites to fortify their cities and drive out many enemy invaders. They lived in this rocky region with natural fortifications all around them. Their homes were literally impregnable. And because of their strong defenses, the Edomites became fiercely independent and trusted only in themselves and in their own security. They prided themselves in the security of their own homes, as verse 3 tells us. They said in their heart, no one will take us down. Their source of pride was in their confidence in the security of their homes, the homes they've built using the natural defenses of the region. In other words, they found security in themselves, in their accomplishments of building such amazing, impregnable cities. They found security in their abilities, which cultivated in their hearts that nothing would happen to them. You see, the first source of their pride, number one, is the security of self and accomplishments. The security of self and accomplishments. Many of us are prideful because we are so secure about ourselves and the accomplishments we have made. We say to ourselves, we don't need God. We don't need help. We have done it ourselves and we can do it ourselves. And our accomplishments prove it. We are self-made people. We are smart. We are intelligent. And we have a big network of friends. And we have money to boast. Everything that I touch turns into gold. And so from my experience, why do I need anyone else, much less God? But God says in verse 4, it doesn't matter how high you build your homes in the sheer cliffs. It doesn't matter that you have soared high for so long and thwarted many enemies. I will bring you down. 
My friends, these words should scare us if we are too prideful. I will bring you down. God says to you, as He says to the Edomites, you are not untouchable. And He did as He had prophesied. Today, you don't hear much about the people of Edom because they have been destroyed as a people by God. They've been wiped off from the face of the map. God has been humbling the proud all throughout history. Remember when King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel looked at the vastness of his empire and said, all this has been accomplished through the work of my hands. God immediately caused him to be an animal-like creature until he humbled himself. Samson thought that he had super strength and that he could do whatever he wanted until he lost that strength because God caused him to be captured by the Philistines. It was only when his eyes were gouged out and he was doing heavy labor that he realized in his humility the need for God's help. Even in the story of the prodigal son as told by Jesus, oh, he was so confident in his ability, but when he lost everything and he realized that his father's servants ate much better than him as he was so hungry he desired only to eat the pig's food, then he finally humbled himself and went back to the Father. The world is full of people who are prideful because they find security in themselves. Sadly, it requires a humbling experience before they realize that they pride themselves in empty things. This pandemic has affected so many people because the notion of the security of self has been shattered It doesn't matter how great you think you are. It doesn't matter how much you've accomplished. It doesn't matter how much you try to protect yourself. There is still a chance you may contract the virus. Also, as confident as you may be in yourself, the circumstances of life are such that you can't travel. You can't go out of your homes if you are too young or too old. So our pride is shattered which perhaps may be a silver lining that comes out of this pandemic. So when you get so high and mighty about how great you are, remember those words from God, I can bring you down. Perhaps it would be good now to examine your hearts to see what aspect of yourself do you pride yourself in. I remember a story of a minister who had finished preaching a sermon on pride. A woman who had heard the sermon waited upon him and told him after service that she was in much distress of mind and she would like to talk to the pastor to confess a great sin. The minister asked her what that sin was and she said to him, Pastor, I become very aware of a sin in my life which I cannot control. Every time I come to church, I begin to look around at the other women. And I realize that I am the prettiest one in the entire congregation. None of the others can compare with my beauty. What can I do about this sin? Oh, responded the minister, don't worry. You do not have the sin of pride. What you do have is a sin of imagination. If the source of your pride is in the security of self, you are setting yourself up for a great disappointment. 
if you have a security in your own self, in your own accomplishments, then I hope you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart to change your trust from yourself to that of the Lord. And by the way, can I just note that humility, which is the opposite of pride, doesn't mean you have to walk around with your head bowed low without ever exuding confidence and always telling everyone, oh, I'm nothing. You know, the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, that Moses was a very humble man. In fact, the most humble man of his generation. And yet he wasn't timid. He wasn't quiet. He didn't stand in the background. This most humble man was a great leader who was bold, who spoke the truth with confidence, who was willing to challenge the mighty Pharaoh, who was able to lead the people of Israel ably out of Egypt. So get out of your mind the notion that humility equates to quietness and timidity, and that pride equates to loudness and taking charge and leadership. Quiet and soft-spoken people can also be very prideful. You see, the difference between pride and humility is the source of whom you trust. Prideful people trust themselves only. Humble people recognize that only through God's enablement are they able to do what they do and to have what they have. The Bible is very clear. God humbles the proud and exalts the humble. Look with me now at verses 5 to 7. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off. Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out, how his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. The Bible tells us that Edom was prideful in their wealth and resources. They thought, we have it all in this secured place. So we have nothing to worry about. We can be proud. We have the money. It's secure. But God had another view. He says in verse 5, If thieves came and robbed you, they would not rob you of everything. Meaning, if a thief came to your house to steal, they can't take everything. They can only take what they can carry with their hands. And they would, of course, leave things behind. Or another example, God said, If someone robbed the grapevine, they would leave a little behind. So let's use mangoes instead of grapes in our cultural context. If you have a mango grove with mango trees, if someone wanted to steal all the mangoes overnight, they can try, but surely they would miss two or three mangoes. And if they were amazing fruit pickers and take all the mangoes from all the trees in the grove, They still can't take the mango trees itself and the leaves. So something is left behind. But in contrast, the Bible tells us when God says, I judge you, Edom, you will be left with nothing. In verse 6, the Bible tells us God will even search out what Edom had hidden and He will take it from them. There is no security in how much has been collected and there is no security in how it has been secured in safekeeping, because God will take it all. Of course, many of us save up money in retirement accounts 
so that we will have some security when we get older. And that is wise. But with the recent economic downturn caused by this pandemic, how many of our retirement savings have shrunk? Even if we have put our monies and our valuables in banks and safe deposit boxes, the security of those places can be breached. They can be compromised. And so that should warn us that God can do as He says. He can cause the downfall of our pride by taking what we have so securely hidden. I don't know if you've read the story of a man from the UK who lost bitcoins worth over $280 million when he accidentally dumped the hard drive that contained these electronic currency into the trash. The man is now trying to find the hard drive with these bitcoins that he had thrown away by mistake. James Howell from Newport, Wales, is urging his local city authorities to grant him a permit to look for this hard drive in the landfill site. In 2009, this IT engineer started mining this cryptocurrency called Bitcoin. And in 2013, he mistakenly discarded the hard drive while cleaning his home. When Howell threw away the drive, it was worthless. But now with the rise of Bitcoin, it's now worth a small fortune. To recover this device, he needs the permission of the local city council to give him the permit uh, to search for this drive in the landfill. Otherwise, it would be considered trespassing, which is a criminal offense. He has been trying to contact and get permission from the local Newport City Council for the last eight years. But the problem is the council so far has not agreed to allow Howells to search in the landfill, citing funding and environmental concerns. Can you imagine throwing away an external hard drive worth $280 million? Would you be as desperate as James Howells to dig through a landfill to try to find it? But this is such a vivid picture of the life that we live. We often place our trust in monies and resources that we have securely placed in institutions and places of safety, thinking that nothing will ever happen to it. But then the realities of life hit. And unfortunately, that which we have placed our trust in can no longer sustain our trust because it fails us. And therefore, these things should not be a source of our pride. But unfortunately, this is still the mindset of many, especially who are wealthy today, as it was the mindset of the wealthy Edomites. They placed their trust in their wealth, which they thought was so secure, only for God to tell them that He will find it, He will take it, and He will even take all the things that they have hidden. And this is what history tells us happens. Look at verse 7. God says, You Edomites think that because of your wealth and resources that you have lots of allies and friends. Don't be too prideful in these friendships that come with your wealth and resources because they will turn against you and you will not know it. You will be caught by surprise. They will deceive you. Your best of friends will turn on you because of the very money that you believe draws them as your friends. And they will stab you in the back. And again, historically, this is exactly what happens to the kingdom of Edom. We don't have to look very far from our own culture and experience right here in Asia to know that this is so true. How many of your families 
your closest relatives have turned against each other or, or turned against you because of the issue of money? Or how many of you have business partners or colleagues who betray you because of money even though everything started out so well? This problem is more pronounced in families. Children who turn against their parents, siblings against each other, family against family, friends against friends, all because of money. Remember when King Hezekiah of Judah showed the Babylonian emissaries the treasures of Israel to try to curry their favor against the Assyrians. But it only made the Babylonians want to conquer Israel more because of the wealth shown to them when they disposed of the Assyrians. Now please note very carefully that I'm not saying it's bad to have money. What I'm focusing on is the pride associated with having lots of money and resources and finding our security in those things. The Bible tells us very clearly the love of money, not money itself, is the source of all evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 tells us. Putting it all together, the second source of pride, number two, is the security of wealth and resources. The security of wealth and resources. Our pride is often in the monetary and the physical things that we have, and it turns us away from fully trusting in God with our lives. It is not that wealthy people cannot trust God. It is that it is often harder for them to really trust God when they have all of their physical needs met, often to an excess. So why do they need God? But these verses serve as a warning to all of us whose pride is found in wealth and resources. It can be taken away, and it often will be taken away by God so that He will humble you if you don't place your trust in Him. I like the story of a very successful door-to-door salesman who was once asked what was the secret of his selling. He said his secret was in knowing about the pride of people. The closing line in each of his thousands of sales was, Now let me show you something several of your neighbors and friends said you couldn't afford. Did you catch that? Let me show you something several of your neighbors and friends said you couldn't afford. That speaks to the pride of a person. And the person is going to buy it just to show their neighbor and friends that they can indeed afford it. But you know, my friends, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. There is no need to keep up with others. When you feel the need to keep up with others, it's because your pride has gotten the best of you. And your pride will only get you into trouble. If other people have things you can't afford, then be happy for them. In fact, this is a great test of your heart's pride. If you see someone with something that you don't have, and your initial reaction is, I also need to have one of those, then perhaps your heart is in the wrong place. There is nothing proven if you have something or don't have something. But pride often gets in the way of us applying this truth. And so we feel we have to keep up so that we have something as a status symbol or we have something to use as bragging rights. But listen carefully. Remember, you can have many cars, but you can only drive one car at a time. You can have a house with many bedrooms, but you can't buy sleep. You can have many homes, but you can't buy the joy and the laughter that fills those homes. 
You can have lots of money in the bank, but all the money in the world can't buy your reputation and your integrity. And you can be the richest man in your community context, but you can't buy salvation and eternal life. That comes free from God only through His Son, Jesus Christ. So ask yourself the question, do you pride yourself in the security of your wealth and resources? If so, then I hope you will deal with this issue in your heart. Look with me at verses 8 and 9. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. The third source of pride for the Edomites was in their intelligence and fame. The people of Edom were very smart and intelligent, and they took great pride in this fact. But God says, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter if you're the best or the brightest, the most intelligent or the most famous. I will take you down. And that's exactly, again, what history tells us happens. Because at the end of the day, there is no one as smart and intelligent as the omniscient, all-knowing God. And the Bible tells us little is left historically of the culture of the Edomites. Because wisdom is God-given. Never forget that. The Bible clearly tells us in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some people are too smart for their own good. They pride themselves in their quick thinking abilities or their abilities to comprehend complex matters of thought, and therefore they believe they don't need anyone, much less God. These so-called smart people have forgotten where wisdom comes from, and so they place their trust in themselves. Smart people or people with great abilities are just as proud as people with money and resources, sometimes even more, because they are self-reliant on their own talents and not on something external. The Edomites thought that they were smart and intelligent, but in fact, they weren't that smart. In verse 3, we are reminded that they were not smart enough because they overestimated their defenses. In verse 7, we see that they were not smart enough to figure out that their friends would turn on them and became their enemies and stab them in the back. Some people are too smart for their own good. Now in verse 9, Obadiah talks about the mighty men of the Edomites. These mighty men were men of fame, the most famous in their country because perhaps they were the best soldier or perhaps they were the most able or the most capable. But God said, He would cut them off. He would cut off these mighty men of fame. It was another reminder that God humbles the proud. And so don't think so highly of yourself, especially if you pride yourself in your intelligence and in your abilities. I'm sure you've heard this story before. I'm just not sure if it's a true story or an urban legend, but it's one of my favorite stories that illustrates this point. One time, the heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Muhammad Ali, was flying to one of his engagements. Ali's name had never been synonymous with humility. During the flight, the aircraft ran into foul weather, and turbulence began to toss everyone around. The passengers were accordingly instructed to fasten their seatbelts immediately. Everyone complied except Ali. 
Noticing this, the flight attendant approached him and requested that he observe the captain's order and fasten his seatbelt, only to hear Muhammad Ali audaciously respond, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant didn't miss a beat and replied, Superman don't need no airplane either. Now fasten your seatbelt, Mr. Ali. It doesn't matter how famous you are for your abilities or your intelligence. The Bible reminds us that God can humble us. And this should remind us that intelligence and abilities should not be a source of pride. You see, source of pride number three, the security of intelligence and abilities. The security of intelligence and abilities. In his article, Eight Reasons Smart People Do Stupid Things, Travis Bradbury expresses the same truth that the Bible talks about because sometimes you wonder if the Bible is relevant in the real world. Here is a man who is very much in the world of business and he observes this. He writes these words. Smart people are overconfident. A lifetime of praise and pats on the back leads smart people to develop an unflappable faith in their intelligence and abilities. When you rack up accomplishments while people stroke your ego, it's easy to expect that things will always go your way. But this is a dangerous expectation. Smart people often fail to recognize when they need help. And when they do recognize it, they tend to believe that no one is capable of providing that help for them. That's why it's very difficult for intelligent and smart people and people of great abilities to trust God because they don't believe that they can't do it. They don't believe that apart from God's enablement, they are able to find success. But boy, if you have that thought, you are playing with fire because the Bible tells us apart from God, we can do nothing. So my friends, is pride an issue in your heart? Are you faking it so that no one will know that you are prideful? Do you cover up your pride with fake humility or spirituality? Remember, not being prideful doesn't mean we don't appreciate accomplishments, but it is remembering that the source of our abilities, our accomplishments, our wealth, our strength, our intelligence, our resources comes from the Lord. So the question is if you really trust the Lord, Or do you trust in, number one, the security of self and accomplishments, the security of wealth and resources, the security of intelligence and abilities? If you have placed your trust in those things and your pride is in those things, then I hope the alarm bell has sounded because like Edom, God may take you down. The consequences of a prideful life is the catastrophic discipline of God. God humbles the proud. And as Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 reminds us, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. My friends, I can't see into your heart, but are you letting the pride of your heart lead you away from acknowledging the enabling work of the Lord in your life? Pride takes on many forms, not praying, not reading your Bible, not spending time with the Lord, not setting aside time each week to listen to God's Word. These are actions that say, God, I really do not need you. 
I do not rely on you. I can do it myself. That is what pride looks like. It is that pride that would lead to destruction. God says to all of us who are prideful, just as He says to the Edomites, I can and I will humble you. May we all heed this warning and deal with the issue of pride in our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would You look into each one of our hearts, including mine? And if pride is percolating in my heart, Lord, help me to deal with it in such a way that I desire to eradicate it. I desire with the Spirit's help to control it because I need to understand it is not my own abilities, it is not my own intelligence, it is not my wealth, my resources, it is not in my accomplishments, it is not in myself that I'm able to do anything and have all that I have. It is because of Your grace and Your enabling power. Heavenly Father, I know that pride will lead to many destructive tendencies. Help each of us who are listening to deal with this issue of pride head on so that in the humility of our spirit, we can acknowledge that we trust You, God, and our lives are to be lived for Your glory. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.